Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we're excited to welcome our next guest, Mark Noodleberg, to the show. Mark is not only the president at On The Ball Ventures, but one of my professional coaches, a true mentor, and more importantly, this guy's my cousin. Um, he took over the family business six months ago, and despite stepping into his role during a global pandemic, he has found ways to evolve and grow without missing a beat. Mark had a decorated tenure as a collegiate football coach with stops at FSU, University of Cincinnati, UF, and Lafayette College. He believes that teaching life through sport is one of the most effective ways to build winning cultures with championship habits. If you guys think I bring the energy, sit back because there's only one guy who brings more passion for improvement than Mr. Noodleberg, and that would be his father, Steve. This is going to be a checkpoint you guys don't want to miss. Mark currently lives down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but for the next 45 minutes, he's here with us on Checkpoint. Mark, my man, how are we doing this afternoon? Oh, man, life is fantastic. You know that. I mean, the fact that I get to do a podcast with my cousin, that we get to talk thing, all things sports, business, and, uh, and the, thing, the, the fundamentals that really are the keys to success at both of those things, what else would I want to do? Mark, man, I, I got to tell you, this is one of the more humbling podcast interviews I think I've ever done, conversations that I've done live. Um, and it wasn't just a couple weeks ago when your birthday passed that a, a picture circled around of me and you. I think we were like three years old on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to think, man, we're doing this in our 30s and, you know, really leading the charge, um, not only in the sports world, but in, you know, the business world through this crazy shakeup. Um, man, I couldn't be more honored to have you on here as a guest. So um, real quick, before we dive in and start to unpack who you are, um, you know, for all you first time listeners, we're going to use the next 45 minutes to really start to understand Mark's journey, where he came from, what he's currently doing now, and based on all that perspective, where he sees things going. So um, Mark, I only know this because you're my cousin, but the journey starts in Cooper City. So let's start there with sort of your upbringing and let's go yeah um grew up in, in south florida and was privileged to have divorced parents and and both who were very involved in my life growing up they split when i was five my dad is a serial entrepreneur our family is a family of entrepreneurs our grandfather started a uh, a women's designer shoe store really our great-grandfather and Everybody in our family was involved in that shoe store until obviously times evolved. And uh, my dad building a marketing agency and transitioning to being an author and a speaker and a trainer and all those kinds of things. So, you know, growing up in that environment of it was eat or be eaten all the time and not in a way that I think most people are like, oh, that's a terrible environment to live in. Like I was loved and cared for. But I learned work ethic at a young age. I learned that if you wanted something, it was going to take you working on your craft all the time. And I learned to be a lifelong learner from my dad. When I was a kid, I remember playing in the pool and he'd be sitting out back, you know, on the on the lounge chairs, pulling through articles and highlighting and and keeping notes and sharing information. And so the people that, that, that know him now, and if you don't know him, you should reach out to him, Steve Noodleberg. Um, he's been pulling together information to build his own philosophy his whole life. And that's really what led to the success of, 
of my career as a college football coach. Um, so growing up in that environment was fantastic. I thought I was going to go to the University of Florida, uh, applied to all the Florida schools to go to college, got deferred from Florida. They wanted me to retake my SAT to get a higher score, got accepted to Florida State, and then got a scholarship offer to be on the equipment staff. And so I was like, cool, you guys are going to pay me money. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm already in. I don't have to retake the SATs. Golden, I'm in. That's so happy for all you listeners. Just a little plug so, there. <laughs> so went to Florida State, got involved with the football team as an equipment manager and uh, fell in love. I was always in love with football. I grew up playing football, played all the way through high school. But then the college game changed me, like seeing it as a business and seeing what it was like to operate at that level uh, of a power five football team in the NCAA. I was like, okay, I'm about this. And I started to spend more and more of my time just at the stadium, just helping the coaches do whatever I could and creating value for myself any which way that I could to the point where I eventually got off of the equipment staff became a student assistant coach during my undergrad um, and then got hired as a full-time coach when I graduated as the assistant special teams coach straight out of school. So that launched my 10-year coaching career, which you talked about some of the stops, took me from uh, Florida State to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Florida, which is in Gainesville, for those of you who don't know, from Gainesville to Reno, Nevada, at the University of Nevada, and then back across the country to Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. And uh, what I really learned, and I worked for some amazing head coaches, like some, some great coordinators, some great head coaches. And I learned that number one, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat as well. I would say it, right? Football is football and everybody's got their own little philosophy. Everybody's got their core fundamentals to how they play the game. And not everybody's are the same and you can be successful doing a lot of them but I learned that you had to have them, that you had to have core beliefs, that you had to have your true pillars of success that you were going to rely on that would make you successful no matter what as a team. And I learned a ton about culture. Like I learned about accountability. I learned about, you know, true communication, trust and teamwork and what it took to be successful regardless of circumstances, regardless of your record or what game it was, like there were certain things that were going to make you successful. And so at the end of my coaching career, when I decided to get out and get into business, I quickly saw the parallels to what made me successful as a special teams coordinator to what would make me successful as an entrepreneur, as a business person. And, uh, and have been sharing my guidance, my beliefs, the things that have made me successful with other people now for uh, for a little bit of time. It's incredible, man. And, and I mean, look at the impact that you made. I mean, some people stick their toes in the shallow end. I like to think that you, you know, took a plunge right into the deep end um, <laughs> and, and you just embraced it, right? And I think that's one of the things through your journey where you you've been dealt different blows, you've been dealt highs and lows, um, you know, I want to touch on mentors real quick because, you know, obviously having your father, uh, you know, as, as a leader in the community, as a leader in the sales profession, you know, he's a great one, but um, you've gotten the privilege to work under some really decorated folks. Um, are there any mentors that stick out to you? And if so, how have they helped shape um, your perspective for what we're going through today? 
Yeah, I think, you know, uh, initially the the first major mentor in my life was my dad growing up. He instilled the work ethic in me and, and, and you know, my parents were great. My mom showed me tremendous amount of support and love and and gave me the the ability to have perspective that things weren't fatal, things weren't final unless they were fatal. Right. So like, I think we tend to think like everything that's happening is groundbreaking, earth shattering, the end of the world. And it's not unless it's fatal, unless it's going to kill you. Like you're going to, you're going to move on. You're going to, you're going to continue to live. So what's your perspective on how you're going to get through it and what you're going to learn from it. Um, And watching my dad work as hard as he did and continue to evolve with the times and adapt with, uh, you know, technology and, you know, new ways of communicating and constantly staying ahead of the curve in developing relationships and managing relationships, having that as the core of who I was as a person, when I went away and, and went to college and started to become, you know, an adult, the coaching mentor that I had, Eddie Grant, helped discipline me and help focus me on understanding you can't be everything to everybody. You have to pick and choose the things that you really believe in. And if you really believe in it, then you better stand your ass behind it and do everything you can to support it. And uh, he helped build the foundation of the coaching philosophy that I carried with me for my entire career, which part of that philosophy was to continue to evolve, right? Like if what you're doing isn't working and you're either stubborn enough or bullheaded enough or just not intelligent enough to know that you're just going to keep slamming your head against the wall unless you try to figure out a different way to do it to make it work like i mean the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results so i learned that like maybe this is what i believe this year and this is what makes us successful this year but as soon as we don't have success with it you have to evaluate is it the process? Is it what we're teaching? Is it what we're doing? Or is it the execution? Which one is it? Because one of those are the are the key factors to, to, to being successful. And you have to know which one to change in order to do what you need to do to, to, to be successful. Really interesting. Really. I mean, that's great perspective there. And, you know, I think for someone that's coached in a parallel to what we experience here in life and business, you know, uh, there's seasons in football, right? Like you win, you lose, um, you can be a champion and then you start all over. In life, this thing is just fluid. So it just keeps going. And, um, you know, before we move on to to the business and to, you know, some of the personal side, um, I'm really curious because one of the through lines in our conversation of Checkpoint has been around evolving. And sports are evolving more and more now than ever. And some of the way that athletes and coaches interact is evolving, right? And so we're seeing mental health really come to the forefront of conversation, especially around COVID. I'm curious if you could lend a a lens to what that was like when you were coaching. Was it something that was talked about and addressed? And are you happy with the way that it's trending in today's society with sports? So mental health and mental conditioning were both things that came to the forefront in my coaching career. Uh, early on when Jimbo Fisher became the head coach at, at Florida State, he there was a, 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 a psychiatrist, Lonnie, who Lonnie had been used by, by Nick Saban when Jimbo was with Saban. And he had been used to help, you know, help the kids 
develop and understand where they're where they came from, how to handle what they were dealing with now. Because mo- most people don't realize is when you're playing sports at that level, you're not just a college student. I think everybody wants to say, oh, well, they're just college students. Not at that level. Not at LSU, not at Alabama, not at Clemson. And obviously it's different the smaller the school you get. Um, but it's just different when you're when you're in the limelight all the time, you gotta remember that these kids are 18 to 22 years old, and most likely they were the best athlete in their town, in their school. And so they've always been the star, but now they're on the star on a big stage and they're expected to compete against other stars. So there's a lot of things that go into developing these kids. And mental health and helping kids deal with adversity that they had never dealt with before and know how to understand their feelings. A lot of kids from inner cities come from broken homes. And that tends to be where a lot of the kids in those programs come from are the inner city. And when they don't have true father figures or true mother figures and they've never been supported in a way, they don't know how to receive love just as much as express themselves. So helping them navigate the waters of emotions and, you know, understanding what, what pain is and how to deal with it and how to process it is a whole, whole bucket in itself. And then a whole nother side of that is mental conditioning. If you want to be great, if you want to be absolutely phenomenal, you have to become okay with, you have to be okay with failing. You know, so Trevor Moad, who who was a guy who worked with us while we were at Florida State, he's got a term that says, if you want to be the GOAT, you have to be okay with being the GOAT. Meaning, if you want to be the greatest of all time, you have to be okay with being the absolute donkey if it doesn't happen. Or the, the exact opposite happening of what you're trying to be. So I think that that no, most people don't think of it that way. They're like, well, I want to be the greatest. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the greatest. And that's all I'm going to focus on. That's not really the key because there's going to be adversity. There's going to be things that happen on your way. And if you're not mentally prepared to deal with the adversity and the obstacles and the negativity, you'll never get there because it takes a strong will or as Trevor likes to talk about a, a mind of neutrality, which is just accepting what it is. You know, I think that's to, I, I, I've talked about it a few times recently, but, perspective to me is not optimism or pessimism or being a realist. There's a lot of words that get thrown out to me. Having the right perspective is just accepting whatever it is, whatever the environment is that you're, that you're in, whatever the circumstances are that you're in accepting that truly accepting it and and be willing to build a plan to get out of it. How do I win from here? So that's what sport taught me in my career is when a bad play happened in a game, you couldn't wish it to go away. The game wasn't going to restart. Like (laughs) the play happened. They they scored a touchdown. How do we win now? We're down seven points. What do we have to do to win now? Well, we got to score eight points, right? We got to figure out a way (laughs) to get more points than them within this time limit. So that perspective of, well, what do we have to do to win now? Or even during a season, you know, you lose a game. The, the, the goal was to win a national championship. Well, what do we still have to do to win a national championship? We got to win the rest of the games. Number one, we got to hope somebody else loses. Great. That's the focus then. That's, that's now the focus. So being able to shift your focus to 
what is it that's going to keep me on track for what I wanted to do with whatever circumstance or environment I'm in now? Yeah. And, and man, thanks for touching on mental conditioning. I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. And, you know, I mean, this is a muscle that sits between the six inches of your ears and you have to work it out just as you would your, you know, doing squats, just as you would doing crunches, um, you know, and so repetition is definitely key there. And so, you know, one of the, one of the interesting things is throughout someone's journey, um, you know, you have peaks and you have valleys and then there's that transition time. And, um, you know, I'm very curious with your mental conditioning through, um, multiple stops and peaks and valleys, what was that transition period like out of football for you? Um, did you feel a, a loss of identity or was it very fluid? What was that experience like? Yeah, it's difficult. I don't want to, I don't like to compare myself to a professional athlete cause I'm sure it's far more difficult for them. But when you come out of the athletic world at that level, and, and especially being a division one coach, every second of your day is scheduled for you for the year. I know you can open up your calendar to, you know, February 7th, and I'll tell you exactly where I'll be, what I'll be doing, and what part of the season that is for us and for, for the, the things that I'll be doing. Getting out of that, and just having this abyss of a life, like I had, I had built my identity around being a football coach. My dream was to be a head football coach. I was going to build a program that helped develop 18 to 22 year olds to be successful. Forget about what just happened on the field in life. These are the pillars we're going to teach. This is how we're going to teach it. This is the culture we're going to create. And I've been talking a lot about culture recently with people. And to me, Culture is just a noun, right? Like there's good culture and there's bad culture. So when you define culture, people say, oh, well, it's teamwork. It's this, it's that. No, 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 no. You're describing a specific culture. Culture is defined by people in process. Who are the people? What are those people made up of? What are their, what are their characteristics of the kind of people that you want within the culture? And then what are the things they do? What are the behaviors in sequence that you want them doing in order to create success that's going to build the culture that you want. So that was my goal was to have an organization where everybody understood that and everybody worked in that same way. I had no idea that that vision was going to become the same vision in the business world. And I would be helping not just 18 to 22 year olds, but I would have the ability to help 18 to 70 year olds. I can it, it, it took the handcuffs off. And so it actually, when you allow life to steer where you want to go and you just accept where you are and say, okay, what's the next opportunity? What's the next opportunity? I wasn't, I didn't know I was going to get out of football, right? The, the previous head coach that I had worked for him and I had, had completely come at odds and, and could no longer work together. So he fired me and he fired me at the end of the hiring cycle on purpose to not allow me to get another job. So there was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to step back into another, a, a lower assistant role. And I just didn't want to do that. I was like, mm, I've done, been there, done that. Like, I'm not ready to do that again. Maybe this is time for me to get out. Maybe it's time for me to try something new. The same opportunities that are here for me now are going to be here for me a year from now. So I'll try something new. And I got out and got into the business world and, and I've never looked back and I'm blessed for that. But I think that's because 
I've never regretted anything. I've never, there's no what if in my mind. I've had a conversation recently with a few of my, my ex players who were kind of, you know, they, they had planned to get out and go into the business world. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and all of them are thinking, mm, maybe I should have given the NFL a try. Like maybe I should have tried harder at, at making it. I think I'm, I'm in a better position than I could have been. Um, you know, I don't have any of those. And, and to me, you have to exhaust whatever it is and then say, okay, am I okay with letting this go now? Has, has it run its course for me? Is there more that I want to do? Maybe, but I am, am I okay with no longer chasing that dream? Because in my mind, it's all about, are you willing to give up what it takes to get what you want? Mm-hmm. I was not, I was not unaware of what it takes to become a head coach. I also knew that there was no guarantee that I would become a head coach. So I looked at it as like, am I willing to do what I've done for the past 10 years for the next 30 years and never become a head coach and always be somebody's special teams coordinator and always be at the, at the beck and call of an athletic director or a head coach and, and not have any control over my life or my future. And I, I, at that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't clear to me that I was willing to do that anymore. So that's when I knew it was time to pull the ripcord because if you're not willing to be all into what you're doing, you're never going to reach your full potential ever. Ooh, we could have dropped the mic on that one, but uh, man, we're only about a hour through the conversation and you're killing me. Um, that's great though, you know, and, and I and I will say, you know, from, from the Noodleberg side of the family, um, for better or for Sorry. worse. So hold on. I just realized that I didn't really answer your question about my mindset. Um, <laughs> I got off on some tangent, which happens. Um, culture, baby. It'll, it'll, look at the shirt, man. It culture. <laughs> it gets, shout out to the Heat. They play tonight. I don't know when this is airing, but at this moment tonight, they're going to be playing to uh, win the fourth game of the series to go to the uh, the NBA Finals. So shout out to the Heat culture. Um, yeah. But so so, I want to I want to preface this with I I think my my perspective and my mindset came from my mom. She always would tell me it's not that bad. I would come home with like a detention and I'd be scared to death to tell my dad that I got a detention, you know, or a bad grade or whatever it was. I was always afraid of the authoritative figure. And my mom would always tell me it's not okay that this happened, but you'll live. You'll be fine. You know? And, And, and that, that constant support in, knowing that I had screwed up, but that it wasn't fatal. I think that instilled something in me from a young age that allowed me to deal with adversity differently than a lot of other people as I grew up. But the, the probably hardest moment of, of my, and I hate to say it's the hardest. It was yeah. an earth shattering moment for me was I was 27 years old. I had just gotten done with my first season as the special teams coordinator at the University of Cincinnati, I thought I had lit the world on fire. We finished 19th in the country in special teams. I had recruited two kids out of Florida. We went to the military bowl. We had a good game. We didn't beat Virginia Tech, but it was a solid year. And as my first year as a full-time coach and in, in, in a division one coordinator, I was like, shit, if this is where the, this is where I started, like, where am I going to be 10 years from now? Like I started setting my, my goals and my sights on like, okay, the next goal is to be the youngest division one head coach in college football. Like that was the next thing. And as quickly as I set that as my next goal, I was fired and out on the street. 
I got a call. I got a call while we were on vacation after the bowl game from the head coach. And he said, uh, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm on vacation. Like everybody else right now. Like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Hey, I just want to let you know, we're going to make a change, you know, and you're going to be, you're going to be part of that change. And so, you know, asked him said, Hey, you know, like, I'm young. I want to know what I did wrong here to screw this up so I can learn from it. And I was ready to own it. That extreme ownership that, that Jocko always talks about. I had that, you know, immediately. And, uh, he told me, no, you were great. You did a great job. This is just part of the business. And, uh, that was an earth shattering moment to me because I went from, in my mind, my own personal perception of I'm a young, successful special teams coordinator that if I stay on this track, I can be the youngest head coach in college football to, oh my God, the perception of me now is I was a young special teams coordinator that got fired after my first year on the job. How am I going to explain that in every interview I walk into? And uh, that was a hard thing to deal with, but it's all about the doing. I got on the phones. I started calling everybody I knew in my network saying, hey, this is what happened. I got let go. I'm out. I'm looking for a job. I need a gig before you know the season starts. That led me to the University of Florida, which was a great experience, which led me to the University of Nevada. And the coaching career continues. And I learned things at every stop. And I would say that the number one thing I learned from those places is that you have to be resilient and you have to be accountable. And that, that even in my coaching career, like I got fired at Cincinnati. Was it my fault? No, but it was my responsibility to do what I needed to do to get right, to yeah. get another job, to get my head straight. Like, and on there, I, right after the call, I hung up the phone. I cried. I cried for like 10 minutes. I think like boo-hooing, like to like those hard cries, like, you know, like down in your gut. And yep. then it was like, all right, I'm done. Like, that's it. You accept it, you know, and you go through your morning. I think I drank like a bottle of tequila after that and then woke up the next day and was like, all right, I got to figure out what I got to do to be successful from here. Got to figure out what the next move is. And that's what I did. And I think that is the important part of dealing with adversity and negativity. And, you know, you talk about mental health, like it's a job, it's work, like relationships or work having the right mindset is work it's all about what you read what you write what you listen to you know who you who, the people you surround yourself with what you eat what you do like we teach a course on mindset and most people think mindset we're just talking about the brain yeah we're talking about what you think but we're also talking about what you say what you eat what you do because all of that affects the mind. It's this circle that goes round and round and it feeds itself. So you got to be willing to do the work to affect your brain. Because if you don't do the work to affect it, you're going to allow other people and other things to affect it. Wow. I, I mean, you bring up so many incredible points. And, and, you know, one of the things when we start talking about mental health is understanding who you are, right? And so we talk a lot in the daily huddle, which we'll touch on here shortly, um, about failure, right? Failure is going to happen. It's a matter of how you deal with it. Um, you want to fail fast. You want to fail often. Well, what happens when you fail? It makes, it, it's a time 
where you have to sit in your own shit and you have no one to blame. You have nobody, you have to look in the mirror. And when things are good, you can distract yourself a million different ways. But when it's just you and you think you're on top of the mountain and you realize, hey, even if it's out of my control, I'm not on top of that mountain. That's the point where it's like, okay, where is your foundation? And one of the things, you know, I, I mentioned early on in the conversation that Mark, you know, has been helping me as a coach, right? Taking those fundamentals from sport and applying them over to business is, is compounding, right? And so we think about compounding, a lot of people think about interest, right? Like in the most negative sense. Well, we talk about compounding wins, right? You know, you, you stack a win on top of a win and regardless of how much shit you're sitting in, there are positive things that are happening. And so um, I'm curious, you know, now that we know a little bit about you growing up and your coaching days, um, let's talk about absorbing a business, right? You go from, you know, from the coaching world to you have one short stop at ESPN. Now you're at the reins of, uh, you know, your father's brainchild. Talk to me about that. What was, you know, what experiences did you pull on to, to help navigate those waters? So what helped me with that was while I was the coach, I always looked at a head coach as being a CEO, like, CEOs have to oversee marketing, sales, customer experience, HR, you know, they have to oversee the entire organization. If they have their hands too far involved in any of them, then they're missing something that's happening in another one. So I always thought about being a head coach. I always said that that would be my mentality. I would be a true CEO. I wouldn't be an offensive coordinator head coach. I would hire somebody that I believed was good enough to do the job. Now, the hard part about that is, is when you're an entrepreneur, you tend to be all of the things. <laughs> so, but understanding that I knew that it was going to take a lot of different things. And so then it was just about figuring out, okay, what are, what, what's our identity? Number one, like on special teams, I knew what our identity was. We were game changers, not game changers because we were all about big plays and big hits all the time. Those would be the result of the way we practiced. The, the, the plays we made and, and the things you saw on game day would be the result of the way we went about our business on a daily basis. So to me, it was like, okay, well, what, what do we do? Well, we create content, we create connections, we stir conversations, we are constantly building a network of people that allow us to either help them individually, help them within their organizations, or introduce them to people that can help them. And that's really who we are at the foundation of, of being at on the ball is, you know, the, the term on the ball kind of means forward thinking. It means, you know, staying on top of trends. It means being there for people when you need them, how you need them. It's exactly what we try to encompass on a daily basis with who we are is we're just here to help. We're here to serve. We serve leaders. We serve salespeople, we serve organizations, we help all kinds of people do that. So taking in the business wasn't, it was like, okay, you know, this is, I, I'm starting to wrap my arms around it. The real mind fuck, excuse my language, was when the pandemic hit. Like, I didn't see that coming. And honestly, I had a plan and a blueprint that was like, I see exactly how this is going to go and this is going to be golden. Yep. And then the pandemic hit and <laughs> revenue goes away. People go away. Going outside goes away. So like, all right, we just went down 28, nothing. And then we're in halftime in the locker room. Like, what do you do now? What, what are your in-game adjustments? How do you adjust? Right? So 
all of these ideas that I had about how I was going to expand the business, forget all those. Let's get back to what we do and do well. That's help people get better. How do I have more conversations with individuals and find people that need help, right? And that's really what it became about was using what we knew on how to teach people how to use LinkedIn to create new revenue streams and create new individual coaching clients. And we just took what we did for organizations and moved it right to an individual level and stay focused on the individual level. And uh, that ended up you know, doing really well for us during that time. And then as things opened back up, we ended up bringing on another couple of really large clients that helped us, you know, get back to where we were and actually beyond. So where our numbers are actually higher than they were pre pandemic. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I've been there, you know, both, you know, a part of it, passively a part of it. Um, you know, a couple of things that Mark is quite humble about, you know, you know, when they talk about helping people is, you know, Steve and Mark have spun up the daily huddle. Um, it's been in existence for a little while, but, uh, you know, pre COVID, but I think it's taken on a completely different <laughs> look feel. Um, if the wall of shame or wall of fame doesn't mean anything to you as a listener, <laughs> you're doing something wrong because you need to be in the damn huddle. Um, but, but man, it, it, it's really quite cool. And, and you know, one of the success or one of the, the through lines that we're seeing with successful folks is with every challenge comes opportunity. And, and I mean, you guys have stayed so true to the process that regardless of the external environment, um, you've been able to just sort of evolve at scale. And, and you know, it's personally been been rewarding to be a part of it. It's humbling to call you guys family. But, um, you know, it, it's really it's really unique to see the reach that you could take from such an awesome game that, you know, where me and you both found our love and now take that to people that put you once on a pedestal because you were at the Florida States or Nevadas of the world. So, so I'm curious, you know, with your, you know, short professional tenure, are there any stories that stick out to you um, where you're like, man, this is exactly why I do what I do? Um, yeah, so I got a note. I got a note from my my first client, actually my first coaching client that I worked with for ninety days, and it was a great engagement. And I completely changed the way they do business. And I got a note from from him yesterday about how he used the tactic and how it worked for him. And at the end of the note, he said to me. You've changed the way I do business. You've changed my relationship with my wife. You've changed my life. And I can't thank you enough for that. Like, you know, that, that's beyond. And I don't take credit for that. Like, yeah. did I give him some tips? Sure. But it's just like in coaching, it is coaching. I'm not responsible for the success. The people are. They take what I what I have to offer and do it. I, there's plenty of people that I work with that don't become successful because they won't do what I'm asking them to do. They're yeah. not willing to change. They're not willing to think differently. They're not willing to do things differently. They want, they say they want to change, but in their mind, they're really not willing to do the things that it takes. So when they give me credit, I'm like, it's you guys. Like, I really appreciate that. But I'm more proud of you for taking it and applying it and running with it. And just like you, like I see what you're doing and like, I'm really grateful that you look at me as your coach and we have our calls and I'm glad to give you any kind of guidance that I can, but you're doing it because you're doing it. 
you're active, you're out there, you're learning from your mistakes, you're constantly, you know, looking at us as an example and how you can, you know, how you can evolve into something different and use that as inspiration to go forward. So I'm, I mean, to me, I, I appreciate the praise, but I'm proud of you. 100, man. I appreciate that as well. And, uh, you know, it's a, hey, what did Sly say, man? It's a family affair, right? So we'll- No uh, doubt. Hey, and so- No and doubt. And so what's really cool, Mark, is, you know, coaching is an art form, right? And and you have obviously gone through this and, and you're perfecting your craft there. Um, as we start to look forward, right, there's this, um, you know, both from the business and the sports lens, I'm excited to get into this phase of the conversation with you because, you know, there's a lot of, um, activity going on at the intersection of humanity and technology, sports and technology. I'm um, going to ask you a pretty pointed question coming from a coaching lens, and then we'll we'll go out into business. But name, image, likeness coming down the pike for um, collegiate athletes, coaches, programs. Uh, what are your thoughts um, now that you sort of have the marketing lens and the coaching lens perspective? So if I was a head coach, the first thing I would do is hire a marketing agency that was in-house, that knew how to do all of the different marketing tactics, that when a kid came on campus, part of their official visit is not only meeting with academics and not only getting a campus tour and seeing the facilities and enjoying the team and the players, they're also going to go have a sit down with the marketing department. And Hey guys, here's the presentation and the pitch on how we're going to market you for the next four years. So that when you leave to go wherever it is that you go, whether you go to the NFL, whether you go to the business world, you have personal brand, you have an audience, you have an active and engaged audience. We're going to build your brand for you through social media, through brands that you align with, through getting you active in philanthropy and helping people. And we're going to build your professional profile so that it transitions to the NFL or the business world. You sit down with a group of parents and have that conversation, that kid's not going anywhere. He's done signing on the dotted line right then and there, because that's another asset to you setting them up for success for life. Forget about the NFL. NFL happens. Great. You'll go make your money. You'll go do what you do. This thing is going to carry you forever. And that to me is invaluable. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's been really, really interesting as we're talking to ADs, commissioners, um, you know, folks that are, you know, sort of going through it. They they have so many other things on their plate um, that NIL was going to be coming down, but now problems one through 20 are COVID. And so I think this opens up a real opportunity for folks like yourself at the intersection to be real thought leaders as we are, uh, you know, pioneering this new world of what amateur athletics looks like, um, you know, in 2020 why people should know you and not how many people you should know, um, you know, really flipping the script on its head there. So, um, so, so outside of sports, you know, now talking more directly to on the ball and your personal business ventures, um, what, where do you see that going? Uh, do you see it more personalized with people being at home now, or, you know, what are some of the future projections as to how business is going to be done uh, in the future? No, I mean, you know, at some point I want to get back to working with people in person. We actually had a, a personal big think with somebody yesterday to help them create a career map and, and start to reverse engineer the things that they need to be doing to get to where they want to go. We did that in person on a whiteboard, which was great. Felt good to be back Rock. in a room with a pen and, and marking all the stuff up. But, um, you know, 
my vision for what we do it on the ball is I, I want to continue to help people. I hope that maybe this can be a home for people that come out of athletics and are looking for that. I want to surround myself with people that are looking to be great and, and, and push themselves on a daily basis, because that's what I want this company to represent for anybody is we have a culture. Our culture is we are relationship-driven people that are looking to learn and lead on a daily basis, period, right? Mm. Whether we sell stuff, whether we coach stuff, whether whatever whatever the products and services are, the culture and the identity of On The Ball is that we're relationship-driven, we're leaders and learners, and this is what we do. So however that continues to scale and grow, I'm excited because we'll have our online learning platform launch here relatively soon, hopefully in the month of October, um, which will help us continue to build the community of people, to bring people in, to be able to consume our content, be able to take our courses. And uh, so that's the first step in that direction. And as I said before, as, as the environment and circumstances continue to change, I will then change what's the next goal. Great answer. No. And uh, I mean, you're the proofs in the pudding, right? Like, I mean, you can talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, then I think you're full of shit. And so, I mean, over the last six months, you guys have shown that um, you, you live up to your mantra. So, you know, really exciting to see where the future goes there. Um, you know, that's the checkpoint, man. This has been really cool. So we're going to transition here as we wrap up into some of the personal family stuff. Um, you know, quick shout out to your brother, Jake. They're getting ready to kick off their football season. Um, your dad, Steve, Oxford, are you Mississippi, Oxford, say- Mississippi. They got Ole Miss at noon tomorrow. I'm just excited for SEC football because I look, I'm going to piss off a lot of people right now. Okay. But I have the, the experience to speak it. I've coached in the ACC, the AAC, the SEC, the Mountain West and the Patriot league. There is no football like SEC football. Week in, week out, level of competition, the atmospheres, the resources that go into the schools, everything about the SEC is different. So anybody who tells you differently has either doesn't have the experience or was blind when they were in it. But I'm excited to have SEC football back because I looked at the docket last week and I was like, there is not a single game that I care about watching. So I'm excited to see the SEC get after it. Man, I couldn't agree more, Mark. And, you know, what's really funny is I think I still feel when I tried to crack back a guy at Tennessee seven years ago um, and, <laughs> and whack my ass. Yeah, the SEC football is real, okay? I still feel yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's amazing. And, and you know, it's uh, it's really just so, so cool just to be doing this with family and um, to watch what Jake's doing. You know, one of the, the ways that I define success um, as I grow up is the ability to reach one and teach one. So when you have enough bandwidth to go ahead and go back downstream and start to bring people up with you, that to me is one of the core pillars of success. And and you guys have, have embodied that in, in just about every sense of the word. So um, so so one question for you, um, and then we're, we'll we'll make sure that folks know how to get in touch with you. But but Mark, if you could share one experience that you've had in your life that other listeners should do or experience in theirs. What would that be and why? Wow. What a, what a question. I was unprepared for that question. So um, while you're thinking about it, for all you listeners, this actually used to be a dating question for me, um, but your boy's recently married. And so <laughs> I 
point, I would tell the girl, hey, just text me. And I almost got a text back all the time, regardless if she liked me or not. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know that I can pinpoint one, one that everybody can do. I've never jumped out of a plane. You know, I've, I've, I've climbed, I've climbed mountains, not like a mountain climber, but like I've hiked up to like observation point at, at Zion national park is gorgeous. The narrows are gorgeous. My grandmother has a house in the blue Ridge mountains that I go to every summer for a week and we disconnect. There's no cell service. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no nothing. You're on your own for a week and you're detached with just family and all that. Um, I think it's, it's not necessarily one thing that I would recommend everybody to do other than continue to think differently. Like don't just accept what's given to you as, as gold. Just think about it. Think about it on your own. And if it doesn't make sense to you or if it doesn't feel right or you don't necessarily agree with it, that's okay. And go find something that does or go f- or go find more information to make it make sense to you. But I, I said this to my brother after I accepted Christ and became a Christian, I I said, I didn't do this because I'm worried about going to heaven. I did this because this makes me feel a certain way. And I still think critically about it. I still, I still don't just take everything that comes at me as word of God. And I don't ask any questions. I think everything you do, if you can develop the critical thinking skill and go beyond just what people tell you and ask why, over and over and over just ask why as many times as you can and i guarantee you find some good things and on that note we will officially drop the mic um mark what an unbelievable 45 minutes this has been um littered with nuggets from your past and uh i can only tell you that it's really exciting that folks like yourself are um, in the business world, paving the way for where we're going, not only here as a country, but but as humans, uh, you know, I mean, we're at a really interesting crossroads. And so I think that's really exciting. So um, before we wrap up, um, you know, we plugged the daily huddle, we plugged on the ball. How can all the listeners get involved with what you are doing daily? Yeah, I'm all over social media. So uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all those. I'm not on TikTok. Well, technically, I'm on it, but I'm not really using it. Um, but so any of the social medias, you know, if you try to connect with me, send me a message. Tell me something on why you're trying to connect with me. Uh, we do the Noodleberg Daily Huddle, which is live on Facebook and LinkedIn, Monday through Friday, 8 to 8.30. And it's just a good, solid way to get your day started. It's high energy. It's motivational, but it's fun. We're talking about pop culture. We're talking about business. We're talking about sports. And uh, we're just trying to drop a piece of knowledge and help everybody get their day started the right way every day. So hop in there, say good morning, connect with the people that are in there, and uh, let me know how I can help. There you have it, guys. And uh, just know if you send a message or a connection request with some bullshit message or no (laughs) message at all, you will end up in the wall of shame. And on that note, Uh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure from Check and Checkpoint. Thanks for coming on. And until next time, listeners, be sure to check 